Hello and welcome to the In Publishing podcast, bringing you weekly insights into the newspaper and magazine publishing sector. I'm Kia Byrne, and this week my guest is Nikki Cox, Editor-in-Chief of First News, the UK's only weekly newspaper for children. We would like to thank our podcast sponsor, Acorn Web Offset, the Yorkshire-based specialist A5 and A4 magazine printer. With high-speed web offset and sheet-fed printing, together with in-house saddle stitching, perfect binding and mailing services, Acorn can cope with the most demanding of production turnarounds. Acorn prides itself on its efficiency and low-cost print production. For more information, visit acornweb.co.uk. Nikki Cox is the Editor-in-Chief of First News, the UK's only newspaper for children with 2.6 million weekly readers across all its platforms. Nikki, welcome to the In Publishing podcast. Thank you for having me. You started out in regional journalism before becoming the launch editor of Early Times, which saw you take four child reporters to meet Margaret Thatcher at Downing Street. Then you became the children's editorial director for BBC Worldwide, overseeing uh, around 50 children's magazines from Teletubbies to Top of the Pops before launching First News in 2006. Can you tell us a bit more about that journey and what it taught you about children's media? Yes, it's been a very interesting journey because I was only 18 when I got my job as a trainee reporter um, on the Croydon Appetizer. And very early on, um, I spoke to the um, the editor and, and the senior kind of editorial staff there and said, you know, there was no news for children. And I said, you know, they are part of the local population. They also have stories to tell and, and um, you know, have you know, as much as much right to know what's going on in their area as adults. And I thought it was very strange that they didn't in any way address their younger their younger citizens. And it's funny because I look back now and think, why was that in me so young? You know, at 18, why, why was that a question even? And it's something then that just has become a lifelong passion, you know, and that was, what am I now, 54 and I was 18, so I can't do the maths. But, um, you know, f- for my entire career, um, children and publishing and children and news has been what's what's driven me and you launched first news in 2006 um what was the thinking and aims behind it at that time I think it was um the fact that more than ever you know especially with you know the internet now that children needed a trusted source of news and it baffled me, even when I was, you know, a kid myself, that there wasn't a newspaper for children. And I never really understood why there wasn't, as if why wouldn't children be as interested in the world around them as adults? But when we launched it, um, as you say, back in 2006, it was to enormous ridicule. And all the adult papers who you would have thought would have been supportive, given that we were trying to give children a newspaper habit and an interest in news so that they may one day grow up to read their papers. They all just knocked the idea. They all said, you know, if there'd been a need for a children's newspaper, it would already exist, you know, and um, and anyway, kids will just read stuff online. You know, they're not interested in, you know, a printed newspaper. And it was quite disconcerting because, you know, we hadn't done any research at all. It was just an instinct and a drive in me to do it. And it did make me kind of question it for about five minutes. And then I thought, no, I know 
I know kids, you know, I'd been working at the BBC for for a number of years. I'd always worked with children and I knew there was a need for it. And, you know, it's now really um, amazing. You know, here we are uh, in 2020 with more than 2.6 million children reading First News every week. It's the widest read publication for children in the UK. And actually, in terms of readership, we have more than the Times, the Guardian and the Telegraph added together. That's quite quite amazing. And you've said that it's vital the next generation is better informed than the current or last generation. How are you going about this and what are the particular challenges of writing newspaper stories for children? I think just the fact that it exists, you know, um, because really up until First News launched, it was pretty much, you know, BBC Newsround, which was getting fewer and fewer viewers because children's viewing habits along with the rest of the population were becoming more and more kind of disparate you know um people watching a lot of stuff online and and so many more channels that that newsround itself was was getting a very small audience and still does you know so i think with the advent of first news and the reach that we have into schools you know with nearly half the schools in the uk subscribing it really does bring the world into the classroom and it's enabling children to know what's going on, you know, and how does the world become a better place if 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 people don't know what's going on as they're growing up? You know, we want to have, you know, a generation of adults who have known about the world as they've been growing up, have understood, you know, what's making it tick and, and, and everything about it. And how have you evolved since the early days? What key lessons have you learned along the way? I think when we first launched, it was very much us giving the news to children. That was what I felt, you know, it's like, we need to tell kids what's going on so that, you know, they can be better informed and they can be tolerant and they can be understanding and they can, you know, grow into active, engaged citizens. But what I didn't realise, but became very quickly apparent is that what we also were doing, and we're doing increasingly now, is giving children a platform for their own voices to be heard. So we campaign with them. Um, again, quite early on in, in First News's life, I think uh, maybe two years in, we ran a feature about uh, child soldiers. Um, and the reaction we got from from children, from schools, from from kids in this country who didn't even know that that children in other parts of the world were fighting adult wars, were being given guns, were being killed and were killing. And they may be 10 years old and they were shocked. So, um, and they were like, what can we do? We, this needs to stop. So we launched a campaign called Conflict Children um, with Save the Children and with uh, the UK government with DFID. And as part of that campaign, there was a letter that we wanted children to sign to basically call on world leaders to end the practice of using children in, in wars. And um, I thought, you know, we might get one or 2,000 children signing this letter. And we got something like 280,000 children signed up. And it ended up with um, the foreign secretary at the time, who was David Miliband, um, reviewing the British government's policy towards child soldiers and also taking it to the United Nations where a special session was held. So it was so fantastic to be able to say to every single child, you know, in the UK that had signed up, you did that, you made a difference. And I think since that, you know, that's become a real passion of mine, um, that we that we listen to children, we find out what their concerns are, and we help them get a voice on the national and global stage. 
And that topic of guns is quite hard hitting. How do you handle talking about these issues without scaring children? Because the reality actually is that the news for most of us is actually a lot less scary than it appears because the reality is that a lot of the adult uh, news media organisations, be it TV or, or newspapers, kind of sell sell their news on fear. You know, fear does sell. Um, and so stuff is, you know, sensationalised. You know, there can be very scaremongering type headlines. And actually, I see it very much as our job is to actually put that in context. And because there's been a, a, a terrorist attack, it's it's scary. But the reality is that for every one of us, it remains the least likely way that any of us are going to die. You know, so we always put stuff in context. We always reassure that we're truthful. You know, we don't shy away from reporting anything that's in the news, but we always reassure. We always put it in context and we always give them um, opportunities to talk about it and, and tell them where they can go to get help if they if they are worried. Now, you're the UK's only newspaper for children, but there are other current affairs magazines for children, such as The Week Junior. How do you sit alongside them in the marketplace? I think first news is much more um, is is more current. You know, we the week junior is obviously related to the week, which is kind of a retrospective look at the week that was. So I think we're we're a more current, up to date um, publication than the week junior. Um, and obviously, being a newspaper format as well, I think is really quite key. There's lots of magazines um, for children, and and lots of those are factual and and and. Yeah, entertainment um but it's the only actual newspaper and i think it's really important for for young people to know that they're being taken seriously and that alongside all the adult newspapers they can pick up in in the supermarket you know there's one for them and um i think it's you know it makes them feel that they're being treated equally you know they're not just you know that you know that they have their own they have their own newspaper and how much of a challenge is it when you're competing for children's eyeballs with TikTok, YouTube, other social media and computer games, which since you launched have become even more part of most children's daily lives? Yeah, I mean, what we have done is we have a partnership with um, Sky News uh, with a, a children's TV show called FYI that we make in partnership with them um, through our our kind of production uh, sister production company fresh start media and fyi is a weekly children's news show um and we draw on a lot of the readership of first news for a lot of the content and a lot of the children that take part because every single presenter and reporter on fyi is a child they're all aged between kind of 10 and 15 um again you know we feel that it shouldn't be adults telling children how to consume the news and how to understand the news and and it's very much their take um and it's you know there's lots of uh kind of short bursts on there a, a lot of the, the stuff that they are kind of viewing on tiktok so we've got things like laugh out loud videos on there we've got things like you know omgs and we we have a, a section called fake or fact and we have a section called kids comment where children get to talk about the news um so it's very much the sort of thing that they would be consuming anyway uh, on social media, but all packaged into one kind of neat 15 minute, 15 minute show. And that's that's really working for us. And that partnership between First News and FYI is is uh, is really strong. 
Okay, so um, in terms of your revenue streams, how does it break down between direct subscriptions uh, and the schools who are using you as a teaching resource? Um, the the schools when the well, obviously we can um, we have people that subscribe at home, so we have um, many thousands of families that just get home subscriptions or buy it on the newsstand. When schools subscribe, um, there's various packages so that they can. You know, we have we have some schools that literally get one copy for the library and then we have schools that have a copy for every single child in the school. So depending on kind of the level of their subscription and what they buy into, you know, they can also buy into the educational resources. We have an educational team that's uh, pretty much the same size as the uh, editorial team who, as soon as the paper goes to press, they get to work on producing something like 250 pages of lesson plans so that, you know, we enable the, ch- uh, the teachers to take the newspaper and then um we have all the aligned um resources that they can then teach from the paper in the classroom and we have those either downloadable or we have a, a kind of a digital um platform called the iHub the iHub which more and yeah. more schools are subscribing to um which enables them even to set homework on it children get you know passwords to 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 get into the into the iHub and they can do their work online and the teachers can market online but it's all it's kind of literacy, but related to the news and schools are finding that, you know, children are much more engaged because uh, it's stuff they're hearing about and it's stuff they're interested in, in in the news rather than, you know, some kind of old timeless piece of fiction or, 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 or nonfiction. The fact that it's kind of based around current, um, current news is, is, is really engaging them. In fact, we had a, um, a survey done at a, a study by the National Literacy Trust into um, the kind of academic performance of children in schools that read First News. And it found that across the board, um, those children were overachieving and, and making faster progress than those that didn't. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, and I think you had another survey recently around the time that you, you've had quite a big increase in readership recently, and you have very high approval ratings from parents and children. Um, what what do you think is the secret that goes into into getting such high approval ratings? Um, I think it's I think it's twofold. I, I think that um, the kind of parents and teachers really welcome the fact that you know there are difficult conversations to have. I mean, obviously around the whole pandemic, you know, we saw a huge increase in um, both our kind of home subscriptions and schools. You know, um, we had. 20,000 new parents signed up over over the the COVID time um, because they didn't know how to talk to their children about what was going on because I think they were confused themselves you know and um, you know and and our job was it was again to kind of break it down into simple terms and explain exactly what was going on uh, why they had to go into lockdown even though children themselves were not particularly affected and still are not you know they often show no symptoms and if they do they get very mild cases so you know our job was to reassure them while they were just reading headlines about how many thousands of people were dying you know so it was important I think for I think people and parents actually as well as then reading the paper um, or their children reading the paper we actually started to get lots of adults saying to us they preferred to read first news because it was kind of digestible it wasn't scaremongering and we um we just kind of tell it as it is really 
And more generally, how is your business affected by COVID and by schools closing their doors, although clearly still carrying on educating children? I mean, what what we did uh, immediately that schools closed was that we actually made First News available for free to all schools. Um, so we they were ina- they were able to sign up for free digital downloads. Um, so not the printed copy. We weren't suddenly sending out um, millions of printed copies, but we made a free digital uh, edition available to to every school and every child, so they could send out a link all the schools to their their children at home. So that's why we we ended up, you know, with far more engagement than than even even normally. So and lots of those then turned into actual. Um, paying subscribers so um it's actually been very very good for us which which um doesn't you know i'm so aware that so many people have been having a very difficult time that it 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 feels slightly slightly difficult to say that actually it's been good for us but it has you know i think people more than ever appreciated the fact that children do need to be kept informed of what's going on around them and that there we were sitting there um able to do that able to do that for them and have you continued that free digital uh, offering or, or did you have to bring that to a close? We, we've brought that to a close now, you know, now that, um, you know, I think we, as soon as, in fact, the summer holidays then started, you know, once the schools had broken up, um, because now schools are back, you know, they're getting their printed copies as normal. So um, yeah. we didn't feel that we needed to to continue that now. And you said in the past that children are 27% of the world's people, but 100% of the future. What do you think society more broadly should be doing to give children a better future? I think, you know, with all the technology that's around us now, you know, it's so important to listen to children and give them a voice. I think, you know, the old kind of phrase of children should be seen and not heard is just such a, an awful phrase and hopefully has died out with with an older generation you know i i think the opposite you know listen to children they have so much to say they have so much hope and they're not they're not cynical like adults you know and i think the important thing is that we listen to them and you know out of the mouths of babes you know come the most amazing solutions you know later on today i've i've got a a conversation with the chief exec of WWF you know we're talking about how we can engage more with children to make them part of decisions and policy making um, because you know climate change is going to be something that affects them more than adults and you know they need to be part of the solution they're very switched on they're very engaged they're far more tech savvy than many adults and um, you know I just think I have the most enormous respect for children and I think um I think we all should you know they have very much a can do attitude you know and that's been shown by you know Greta Thunberg and the whole kind of way that children globally have responded to that they want to help they want to make a difference and you know we we as adults need to enable that I love the fr- there's a phrase that's something like you know as adults we never st- we never stand so tall as when we stoop to help a child as you say, climate change is a huge issue um, and, and it's very close to the hearts of many children. And I imagine you'll be discuss- discussing the extin- extinction of species with the WWF, um, uh, which again is a big issue for children. What approach have you taken to these issues? And in particular, what was your stance on children skipping school to join protests? It was a very difficult one, that for us, because, you know, while we wanted to support children and 
and their their voice and their right to protest. We also know that they're safest in school. You know, we didn't want to support the fact that, you know, children should be kind of, in effect, truanting and being out of school. But on the other hand, we didn't want to say, you know, they didn't have the right to to get their voices heard. So we we, we reported on it. We said it was happening. But we also said, you know, there's other ways of, 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 of getting their voices heard. And we're here to help you do that, you know, and, and, and we are, you know, and, and the example I used earlier of the, uh, the, you know, the conflict children campaign, you know, by being, you know, the UK's only newspaper for children, we can get their voices heard in different ways. Um, you know, and we're also obviously terribly conscious that so many of our copies do go into schools and used by teachers. And the last thing we wanted to do was alienate all of them by telling children they should be uh, walking out of the school gates. Our priority is that children are safe and they're safest in school. Sure. You tweeted recently that the latest issue of First News is truly international. How do you decide to split the split your coverage between UK and international news? Kind of decides itself, really. Um, I think... To be honest, when I'm looking at the balance of the content, I think less about that and more about the balance of kind of negative news stories and positive ones. You know, unlike, um, you know, a lot of the, again, the adult papers, I sound like I'm knocking them and I don't mean to. But, you know, often when you're reading the papers, you can end up feeling really depressed because by the end of it, you've just read a lot of, you know, bad news. And I'm very conscious with First News that we do report the major headlines of the day. We do report all the serious news that children need to know about. But we're also very conscious that there's a lot of good news around and a lot of happy news that doesn't actually get reported very widely. So I'm very conscious of that. And sometimes that's international, sometimes that's UK, you know, but um, but that's I, I think more about that. We actually have an international edition um, separately, which goes out to to schools and, and children around the world which is just a digital version. So we have we have both anyway. And what sort of audience does that have? Um, it has mainly, um, I think there's a lot of US, uh, a lot of Middle East. Um, and I think it's something like, I can't remember how many schools now, but, you know, it's around 100 schools globally can't take an international, international edition. Right. Um, what about fake news? How are you tackling that issue and improving children's digital literacy and well-being online? Uh, we have a whole fake news edition um, of, of first news. Not that not that every single story is fake, but just talking about fake news and and mm. and and what it is and how to spot it and and showing lots of examples of 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 stories and actually the nuance in that a fake story is not necessarily all fake. You know, it might be. Um, slightly distorted because whoever's written the piece um depending on who they're writing for may have a particular point of view um but just to make them question that question that point of view and look at how other people are reporting the same story so we're um yeah we're very very engaged in that in fact i sat on the um uh, select committee for um children's um literacy and fake news so we've been very very involved in that whole in that whole area and say any school or um, or, or home can get a copy of the, of the fake news edition. And we also have a lot of stuff online about it as well. And then FYI, our, our TV show, we have fake or fact in every single um, show where we, we set up a couple of stories at the beginning. One of these is true and one of these is, is, is not. And, uh, you know, we reveal all at the end. And that's there. It's fun. It's quite a fun piece. But it's also just to make children question and think about it, you know, 
does this sound right? You know, and is the person who's written this trying to make me have a particular opinion? So, um, yeah, it's something that we're very conscious of and that we're very aware that uh, children need help with. And you mentioned Fresh Start Media there and, and uh, earlier as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that is and what you do? Yeah, I mean, if, uh, Fresh Start Media just, I mean, obviously, because I kind of, you know, sit over both is kind of the video arm really of first news i mean for for 14 years you know i was running first news and it and it's fantastic um but also i was conscious that children are watching a lot of video online and that i thought to complement the paper um video content was also kind of a key way that we needed to to continue engaging with our readership um and we'd already been working with Sky News. We had a daily kind of Sky News bulletin on our website. We had a show called Hot Seat where we had a panel of, of kids quizzing people like Boris Johnson, um, Tim Peake, um, people like that. Um, so we had regular kind of a Hot Seat show on Sky News as well. So the natural kind of progression of that was that we developed, a, you know, an actual children's news show. So um, and also now alongside that, we've been working with the BFI, who have got a young audience content fund to create a lot of explainers for children. We've just uh, made 12 explainers on all sorts of subjects like uh, climate change, racism, conservation, um, bullying, all sorts of different issues and ex okay. uh, explainers about them, which are now available um, for, on, on Sky, but also on the First News website and in the First News teachers website as well. Um, and we've got something called Kidversation that we're working with UNICEF on, which is um, one child in the UK meeting a child in another part of the world and looking at the rights of the child and how they're reflected in, in their lives. So lots of other factual video content that we're kind of developing together um, through First News for schools, through First News just for children at home and through Sky TV. You're aimed at seven to 14 year olds. Once children hit 15, what do you make of the media world that they are then confronted with? And what could UK newspapers be doing more of to retain the young readers you've nurtured? Mm, that's a difficult one. It's, um, it, it's interesting. I, I don't know how many of, of our readers, I've never kind of, I don't think we've ever done any research into it, carry on to actually buy a newspaper. Um, I suspect um, a lot of them probably would you know over the course of time uh kind of move into consuming most of their news on social media platforms and on online um so i think you know adult newspapers somehow do need to do more to engage with with young people and to engage with us i mean <laughs> you know because we obviously have have them there and and as you say when they get to about 15 I don't think anybody is particularly welcoming them. You know, there isn't an independent, really, voice out there. Most of the newspapers have a political agenda. Um, and I think that they should somehow try and nurture what we have created and and give their readership a voice. I think that's the important thing that really stands us apart, really, from the adult papers is it's not just one-way traffic. You know, and I think that the adult papers could do far more to reflect the voices of their readership rather than just talking to them the other way around. And more generally, what do you think the future of journalism is? Will there still be jobs for young people who want to be journalists? Will there still be newspapers for this generation of children to read when they reach adulthood? 
I think so. I mean, I, th- I think that there's always going to be a place for actual printed newspapers. People like them. You know, people like to hold something in their hands. It's very different, you know, sitting outside, maybe having a coffee on a Sunday morning with your paper rather than being in front of a screen the whole time. You know, we don't all want to be in front of in front of screens the whole time. It's a, it's a different it's a different experience. And you can, you know, hand different sections around among, among the family. So I think I think printed newspapers always will be there in terms of jobs, I think more and more and more because you know the kind of the advent of citizen journalism really where everybody is a journalist now everyone's got a mobile phone where they can capture events as they happen you know so in a sense you know everybody can start a podcast or start a blog or or whatever and be a journalist so I just think it's it's an exciting time it's an exciting time of change and I think the, the key thing is to make sure that this generation this young generation are positive engaged active and want to make the world a better place and why next for first news what's in the pipeline now um what's in the pipeline now is more of the same in the uk you know we've we're in around half of schools i'd like to be in all schools so we're continuing and particularly with the partnership with with sky and fyi now you know we're pushing more and more video content um through uh, in partnership with the paper as well so a lot more tie-in like that which I think makes us even more attractive to to, to schools. Um, we'd like even more uh, children at home reading. Um, but also we have our eyes set on the global market. You know, we want to um, enable children around the world to have the same access to news as, as, you know, we're enabling children in the UK to have. So very much on our radar, you know, now we've kind of set up the international edition is to forge partnerships in different countries around the world and to um and make the kind of the conversation with children truly global not just not just uk wonderful and finally outside of work what do you do to relax <laughs> i do this to relax it, weirdly it's <laughs> it's 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 not just a job for me it's an absolute passion and you know as I said, I don't know why it was in me at 18. You know, there I was, you know, the youngest, most junior person on the local paper asking the editor why there wasn't news for kids. I don't know where it came from, but it's 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 in me. And um, other than that, I walk my dog. I have a beagle called Buddy. I walk him around uh, parks and that's my thinking Brilliant. time. And uh, that's kind of it, really. Great. Well, Nikki Cox, thank you very much for being our guest on the In Publishing podcast today. Thank you very much for having me. A big thank you again to Acorn Web Offset for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for a new magazine printer, then check out their website at acornweb.co.uk or contact Matt Carey on 07714 299 105 or by email at matthew.carry at acornweb.co.uk. Many thanks to Nikki for being our guest this week. You can find out more about First News at firstnews.co.uk. If you want to follow Nikki on Twitter, her handle is at firstnewseditor. To catch up on our previous podcasts, do check out the podcasts page on our website, inpublishing.co.uk. Thank you for listening and please join me next week on the In Publishing Podcast.